0: A welcome to you this morning in the name of Jesus. Special welcome to all of the moms that are here today and wish you God's blessing on this special day. Just reflecting a little bit on the Sunday School lesson, I had to think about uh, the artist who was known as the painter of light and we were talking about whether we're reflectors of that light or how that light is transfused through our lives uh, you know, very sadly, it seems like uh, in his latter days he lost the focus of the true light that he was trying to depict in his paintings. And uh, I'm not to judge, of course, but uh, some of what we've heard. And uh, I think as, as I think it's a, a a warning to us, warning to me, that we uh, maybe we're not artists, but we are painting on a canvas of life. That is bigger than any canvas he ever painted on, and uh, certainly it's important that we maintain that uh, distinctiveness of portraying the true light of Christ. This morning I invite, I want to think about uh, examples of mothers from the scripture. I have seven, <clears throat> seven examples I want to look at, and uh, the first example I want to look at is found in the book of Genesis. Uh, chapter 1 or I'm sorry chapter 3 verse 20 and uh, this is Eve and I tried to think whether I ever heard Eve used as an example uh, in a Mother's Day sermon or even uh, in a lot of sermons Uh, we we give Eve kind of a bad rap maybe uh, for her passing on to us Uh, that portion of the decision of the Adamic nature that we inherited. Uh, Someone has said this. They said, uh, you know, maybe we should be just a little bit more careful about what we, you know, the blame we lay on her, because, you know, where would the rest of us be without a mom? And uh, Eve was a mother, the first mother. And uh, and it's here in our uh, verse here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. Adam says that... uh, And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. The point I want to pick out in Eve's example here is that she was a partner for Adam. She was also a partner with God. And uh, I have seven points this morning. They all begin with the letter P. And in Eve's example here, she was a partner with God and with her husband Adam. I had to think about as Eve became uh, the mother of all living and each one of us are... uh, uh, Related through that, how many generations would there be from Eve? How many generations are we removed from uh, this first parent? I don't know. Uh, generations in the Bible time were seem to be longer, uh, but it could be perhaps if we use 40 years as, as a as a round figure, which I don't. I think that's being probably a little too short if you wanted to calculate into the length of lifespan that they had. Uh, you know, it could be 150 generations. Uh, you know, I. My genealogy books that I have on, on my bookshelf at home—they only go back probably eight, nine, ten generations, and uh, you know, you think hundred and fifty generations—that's a pretty good span, uh, but it's probably not quite that many generations if you uh, would calculate into the lifespan of the, uh, the patriarchs. So I think about the the role of of moms, mothers being partners with God, uh, in the procreation process of being fruitful and multiplying and bringing new lives into the world and that was Eve's uh, God had a plan and a purpose in in that in her life and in the life of every uh, uh, mother that followed after. Genesis chapter 3, uh, or rather chapter 4 verses 1 and through uh, 2, and Adam knew Eve his wife and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Uh, I like the expression that she uses there. I have gotten a man from the Lord. And it seems like she recognized that partnership with God in her role as bringing new lives into the world. Uh, a sacred, a divine role that is designated and designed by God. Later on, and we know the story that happened, the... Uh, uh, evil that transpired there Between the two brothers Cain and Abel And then later on in chapter 4 verse 25 And Adam knew his wife again And she bare a son and called his name Seth For God said hath For God said she Hath appointed me another seed Instead of Abel whom came, whom came Cain slew And uh, Then dropping down to chapter 4 5 verse 4 and the days of Adam, after he had begotten Seth, were 800 years, and he begat sons and daughters. So there was more to this first family. There was, we have the three children that were named, Adam, uh, pardon me, uh, Abel and Cain and Seth. And then in chapter 5, verse 4, it says there were other sons and daughters. Uh, how many other sons and daughters did Adam and Eve have? The Bible doesn't really tell us. I did find it interesting that the Jewish tradition and I don't, this is just tradition, this is not inspirational, uh, said there were probably 33 sons and 23 daughters. I don't know where that tradition came from, but uh, that would be a very large family. But could be possible, I wouldn't doubt that, I guess, but uh, just for what it's worth. Um, so I think about, uh, there's a verse in the New Testament, First Peter chapter 3, verse 7, that uh, talks to us, when thinking about the aspect of, of mothers being partners with God and partners with their husband. First Peter chapter three verse seven reads like like this: "Likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered." Now, I think primarily that is talking about a spiritual aspect. There, uh, it mentions. Uh, the husband and wife relationship being heirs together of the grace of life that spiritually I believe women share in the spiritual dimension of life just as equal as men do. Uh, but I also believe it's there's a physical side of it too is the fact that you know that union is meant to be God has entrusted in that physical union of marriage to be uh, shares together in bringing new lives into this world. Uh, so as I think about wives as being mothers, as being partners with God. You know, it's a, it's a role that uh, I think is a blessing, and uh, it's sacred, it's divine, and it's a role that primarily our world and our culture today has probably, uh, to a greater or lesser degree, has, has uh, looked on it with somewhat of a, a disdain, perhaps. But we need to uh, embrace that. We need to uphold that uh, as we uh, encourage our mothers today. The second point I have is that I think moms are uh, providers in many aspects. Going to First uh, Kings chapter 17, and I'm not sure that all of my examples here were, were moms. The Bible, there's a couple of them, they're a little vague, uh, so I'm not 100% sure they're women, but I'm not sure if they were all moms. Uh, this is one of them. No, this one isn't one of them, sorry. 1 uh, Kings chapter 17, I want to begin reading at verse 8. First Kings 17, verse 8. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Sarpeth, which belongeth to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Sarpeth, And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow woman was there gathering, uh, gathering of sticks and called to her. And said fetch me I pray thee a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it he called to her and said bring me I pray thee a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said as the Lord thy God liveth I have not a cake but an handful of meal and a barrel and a little oil and a curse. And behold I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her fear not go and do as thou hast said but make me therefore a little cake first and bring it unto me. And after, make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the course of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the course of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourn, by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child again came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. And I'll stop reading there, but very, very touching story. Uh, a widow who had lost her husband, and in the course of the desperation was seemingly in her own mind, was fixing her last meal for her and her son. And here comes Elijah who had, uh, had just pronounced a draught upon the Israel because of their sin through the word of the Lord, and uh, God had directed him to go to this woman, this widow, mother, and uh, God used his mother to sustain and to provide for his prophet, and not only provide for him, his prophet, but also for her uh, herself as a mother and a widow, and also her son. And it's interesting, this mom here probably was an outsider. Uh, she was not... Probably of the uh, household of Israel, and uh, but she realized that trustful obedience to God leads to life, and uh, God in this case used a faithful mom to sustain Elijah, his prophet. Uh, as I think about moms providing the many things they do—the meals, the mending, the washing, the cleaning—you know, it's it's things, uh, you know, finding lost items. Uh, you know, that's one thing that I always appreciate about my wife, mother of our children you know if you know who do they go to if they can't find some? you know moms are have a detective system that is uh is you know beyond all others but and you know they can be laying right there in plain sight but we we can't see them but moms today i believe remain a channel that that god uses to provide in a very practical way for for families and uh not only for their families but also reaches out to the community to the church uh for a blessing to all so we want to uh Appreciate them for their uh, their channel of provision that they allow uh, God to use them in. The third uh, point that I want to think about as I look at examples is: uh, is mothers are natural protectors. You know, the uh, even in the animal kingdom today. You know, what is the most ferocious? Now, I'm not saying female are uh, human mothers are ferocious. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they have natural protective instincts within them that, uh, you know, they're always on watch. And uh, 2 Samuel chapter 20, uh, verses 15. I was challenged by this account. Second Samuel 20. The setting of this story here uh, is... The just previous here in in Second Samuel, uh, David as king had been challenged by his son Absalom, and uh, you know he had, he was trying to usurp the throne from his father David, and uh, Absalom had uh, been uh, uh, killed, slain, and then David was using his general Joab to kind of clean up the pockets of resistance or those that were loyal yet to perhaps. Uh, Absalom, or who were taking advantage of the confusion uh, that was left in Israel because of the the uh, Absalom trying to usurp the throne from his father David. And uh, what happened here was there was a deflector that was hiding in this city. And I'll begin reading at Second uh, Samuel 20, uh, verse 15. And they came and besieged him. This is the man they were after. It was a man by the name of, we'll come across his name here. Uh, His name was, uh, if I can leave my eyes on him. In verse. Okay, maybe I didn't go back far enough. Well, that's not the man that they threw his, I don't think. Verse 21. Okay, Sheba. Okay, well, anyway, beginning with verse 15, they came and besieged him in, the, in Abel of Beth-Mashat, and they cast up a bank against the city. So Joab here with his uh, uh, unit of uh, cavalry here was uh, going against the city. They cast up a bank against the city and stood in the trench, and stood in the trench, and all the people that were with Joab battered the wall and to throw it down. So they were, they were gathering against the city. They were going to go in there and get this man. Then cried a wise woman out of the city, Hear, hear! Say, I pray you, unto Joab, come near, either that I may speak with thee. Now you can imagine this mom here challenging this uh, this army general and his forces outside there, who are already up against the wall, ready to tear it down. And she's saying, "Hold it, hold it, wait! Hear ye, hear ye." Verse seventeen. And when he came near unto her, the woman said, "Art thou Joab?" And he answered, "I am he." Then she said unto him, "Hear the words of thine handmaid." And he answered, "I do hear." Then she spake, saying. They were wont to speak in old time, saying, They shall surely ask counsel at Abel. And so they ended the matter. I am one of them that are peaceful and faithful in Israel. Thou seekest to destroy a city and a mother in Israel. Why wilt thou swallow up the inheritance of the Lord? And Joab answered and said, Far be it, far be it from me, that I should swallow up or destroy. The matter is not so, but a man of Mount Ephraim, Sheba, the son of Berach, by name, hath lifted up his hand against the king. Even against David, deliver him only, and I will depart from the city. And the woman said unto Joab, Behold, his head shall be thrown to thee over the wall. Then the woman went unto all the people in her wisdom, and they cut off the head of Sheba the son of Burak, and cast it out to Joab. And he blew a trumpet, and they returned from the city. Every man to his tent, and Joab returned to Jerusalem unto the king. I'll stop reading there, but, uh, you know, uh, I was challenged by that woman's courage, and uh, uh, it's, it's impressive as we think of her calm uh, consideration over hasty condemnation of Joab. Uh, you know, it seemed like Joab had a mission and he was going to accomplish it. And uh, I think he had maybe a legitimate right. But she calls to mind uh, there in verse 18. She says, uh, they were wont to speak in old times. And uh, if you go back to, uh, uh, I think, the law in Deuteronomy, uh, I was thinking I wrote the text down here. Maybe it's in the chain reference here. Yes, Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 10. God had given them uh, clear directions in their conflicts, you know, how they were to proceed. And this was one of the things he mentioned to them in Deuteronomy 20, verse uh, 10. When thou comest nigh unto the city to fight it, then proclaim peace unto it. So their first course of action was not necessarily conflict only, at least according to that. Uh, verse there in Deuteronomy 20, verse 10, but they were supposed to make an appeal of peace. And uh, so this woman draws that, uh, that uh, commandment to Joab's attention. She says, hold it. Let's, let's, let's negotiate. Let's try and, and fix this matter before innocent people become uh, victims in this uh, uh, going after the, uh, the man that David had commissioned him to uh, apprehend. And uh, so uh, she appealed to him, and uh, Joab, a wise leader, was ready to give her ear and uh, she uh, he gives recognition to her wisdom, and uh, Joab in verse 20 said, "Far be it, far be it from me, that I should swallow up or destroy and uh, so he gives recognition to her her wisdom that maybe there is an alternative to what I have planned here and uh, while it may seem gruesome to us, uh, she appealed to the men of the city or the others of the city there, and, uh, and they accomplished what needed to be accomplished in a less uh, destructive way. But I believe it took courage and humility for her. You know, she acknowledged herself as thine handmaid, and, uh, you know, it took courage and humility for her to appeal to Joab in the way that she did. And you think of all the people that benefited from her act of courage and her act of humility. And, uh, you know, many of us are blessed today because of, of the courage that our moms have stood for, the things they have stood for spiritually, uh, things they have stood for even uh, temporally as well. She evidently had a lot of influence. Uh, you know, they, the, uh, she went to the uh, men of the city there and... Uh, She promised that she would accomplish what needed to be done. She had had influence coupled with wisdom, and she got the job done. This mother here is unnamed. We don't know who she was. And uh, she is one of them that we, I don't know for sure if she was a mother, but I would like to think she probably was a mother. Uh, By the way she talks, the way she communicates, she's uh, very uh, articulated in her communication skills there. And in verse 19, she says, Thou seekest to destroy a city and a mother in Israel. And uh, so I would like to think she probably was a mom by uh, the virtues that she uh, displayed in her uh, dealing with Joab. Fourth uh, point that I have is I think of, of moms and you know moms and prayer go together. I think I had to think of uh, going in Second Samuel, going back uh, to Second Samuel chapter one, uh, verses 27. This is uh, the example of Hannah, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 27, she gives this expression, of course we know Hannah was childless, she was barren, and uh, it was, uh, it was a, a vexation to her, and uh, in verse 27, after she had, God had blessed her with Samuel, in verse 27, for this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition which I ask of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord as long as he liveth. He shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. This is when Hannah was bringing Samuel back. Did I say Second Samuel? It's First Samuel chapter 2. Uh, so God was bringing Samuel back to the temple to be used of service. And then on in chapter 2 is the entire prayer that, that Hannah actually prayed uh, in, to the Lord uh, and Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord, and mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies, because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so exceedingly proudly. Let not arrogance come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and they that stumble are girded with strength. They that were full have harried out themselves for bread, and they that were hungry seized, so that the barren hath borne seven, and she that hath many children is that waxed feeble. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes and to make them in her at the thrones of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he hath set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength shall no man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. And the Lord shall judge the ends of the earth, and he shall give strength unto his king, and exalt the, the horn of his anointed. And I'll stop there. That's the end of her prayer there. Yeah, uh, you know, a very, a very, a very powerful prayer. Uh, I don't know if you ever thought about any of your prayers being published. Did Hannah realize this prayer was going to be uh, remembered through the generations, recorded on black and white, that we look at it and read it? But you look at the content of that prayer. It's powerful. Uh, Abraham Lincoln made this statement. He said, I have remembered my mother's prayers, and they have always followed me. They have clung to me through my whole life. And, uh, you know, I have memories of, of praying with my parents, my mom. And, uh, you know, it's it's a, it's, it's something that... that that does cling to you, it's something you don't forget and it's a memory that is precious. A mother's power of prayer is a force that has impacted many a child's destiny and uh, as I thought about the power of prayer, especially a mother's prayer, I think it's a uh, mother's prayer invokes the powers of heaven probably like none other and uh, so we appreciate moms for the way they pray. The fifth point that I have this morning is that of moms being peacemakers, And that, again, is in 1 Samuel chapter 25, going forward in the book of 1 Samuel again. This is the example of of, uh, the woman, Abigail. 1 Samuel chapter 25, as we think of her role in being a peacemaker between her husband and, and again, David here, uh, beginning at verse 1 of... uh, First Samuel 25. And Samuel died, and all, Isra- and all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in his house in Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness. David here was on the, the run from uh, King Saul at the time. And verse 2, and there was a man of Manoah, whose, Mayo, whose possessions were in Carmel. And the man was very great, and he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was sharing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife Abigail, and she was a woman of good understanding, and of beautiful countenance, but the man was churlish, and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Cal. And David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep, and David sent out ten young men, and David said unto the young men, Get you up to Carmel, and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus shall he say and thus shall ye say to him that liveth in prosperity Peace be. Both to thee, and peace be to thine house, and peace be unto all that thou hast. And now I have heard that thou hast shears. and now thy shepherds which were with us. We heard them not, neither was, was there aught missing unto them, all the while that we were in Carmel. Ask thy young men, and they will show thee. Wherefore let the young men find favor in thine eyes, for we come in a good day. Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thine hand unto thy servants, and to thy son David. When David's young men came and spake to Nabal according to all these words in the name of David and, and ceased. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David and who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I, may, that I have killed for my shears and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be? So David's young men returned there. So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all those sayings. And David said unto his men, Gird ye on every man his sword. And they girded on every man his sword, and David also girded on his sword. And they, there went up after David about 400 men and 200 abode by the staff. But one of the young men told Abigail and Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. But the men were very good unto us, and we were not hurt, and neither missed we anything as long as we were conversant with them when we were in the fields. They were a wall unto us, both by night and day, all the while we were with them, keeping the sheep. Now therefore know and consider what thou wilt do, for he was determined against our master and against all his household, for he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves, 200 bottles of wine, five sheep ready dressed, and five measures of parched corn, and a 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 cakes of figs, and laid them on asses. And she said unto her servants, Go on before me. Behold, I come after you. Be- but she told not her husband Nabal. And it was so that as she rode on the os, that she came down by the carver of the hill. And behold, David and his men came down against her, and she met them there. And David said, now David had said, Surely... In vain have I kept all that his fellow hath in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that pertained unto him. And he hath requited me for me evil for good. So and more also do God unto the enemies of David, if I leave all that pertained to him by the morning light. And when Abigail saw David... She hastened and lighted off the ass, and fell before David on her face, and bowed herself to the ground, and fell at his feet, and said, Upon me, my lord, upon me, let this iniquity be, and thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience, and hear the words of thine handmaid. Let not, my lord, I pray thee, regard this man Abelial, even Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him is with him. But I, thine handmaid, saw not the young man of my lord, whom thou didst send. Now therefore, my lord as the Lord liveth, as thy soul liveth, seeing the Lord hath withholden thee from coming to shed blood, and from avenging thyself with thine own hand, now let thine enemies and they that seek evil to my Lord be as naval. And now this blessing which thine handmaid hath brought unto my Lord, let it be, let it even be given unto the young men that follow my Lord. I pray thee, forgive the trespass of thine handmaid, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house against, because my Lord fighteth the battles of the Lord. And evil hath not been found in thee all thy days. Yet a man is risen to pursue thee and to seek thy soul. But the soul of the Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God and the souls of thine enemies. Them shall shall he sling out as as out of the middle of the sling. And it shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning thee and shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel that that this shall be no grief unto thee nor offensive heart unto my Lord, either that thou hast shed blood, careless, costless, or that my Lord hath avenged himself. But when the Lord shall have dealt well with my Lord, then remember thine handmaid. And I'll stop reading there. But we see David making a, an appeal to Nabal here, uh, a seemingly legitimate cause. Uh, he had somewhat been a uh, protector to Nabal's shepherds, and uh, seemingly desiring that they would. Uh, uh, reimburse him in a uh, in a uh, in a casual way for some of his uh, protection, and Nabal of course answered him very callously. And uh, Nabal answered David's servants there in verse ten, "Who is David and who is the son of Jesse? Uh, I don't know. Maybe he didn't know who David was. Maybe he didn't know about the conflict that was taking place. Uh, but he seemed to be very uh, well. The Bible tells that he was very foolish, and his name meant foolishness." And uh, he said, "There have been many servants nowadays that leave their masters, and uh, you know why should I support him above anybody else?" And uh, one of the uh, one of uh, Nabal's servants, realizing the, the dilemma that they were in and the the uh, probably the end they were going to receive, came to uh, Nabal's wife Abigail, and she played the role of peacemaker in that household, in that family, and. Uh, You know I think it's impressive, it's remarkable and uh, David in his wisdom gives recognition to her uh, as in her role as a peacemaker and uh, ironically uh, God smote Nabal then with uh, after he was brought back to what and was told what could have transpired and uh, God seemingly smote him and he died and then Abigail later then became uh, David's wife. But uh, I was impressed with her role and the courage that it took uh, and the provisions that she brought. Uh, you know, I don't know what David was anticipating, but 200 loaves, 200 bottles of wine, five sheep ready dressed, five measures of parched corn and 100 clusters of raisin, 200 cakes of figs, and, you know, send them on their, on their way to David. Uh, you know, it was not like going to the store and buying it, but, you know, it was, seemed like it was gotten ready. My impression is it was gotten ready in a very short time. And uh, I suppose they had servants that uh, accomplished that uh, because she sent them on ahead of her. But uh, she comes and very humbly entreats David in a very uh, humble way to reconsider that he not be uh, responsible for shedding blood costlessly, I think is the word that she uses. So uh, again, we're reminded of the role of uh, peacemakers that moms many times fill in, uh, in our homes today going to the New Testament there's another uh, aspect Uh, Luke chapter 2 verse 19 the mother of our Lord Luke chapter 2 verse 19 the uh, word that I want to think here this morning is is, as I think of mothers I think of the aspect of ponder Uh, Luke chapter 2 verse 19 but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart Uh, I think, uh, as I think about pondering, I think moms are good at this, generally. It's kind of like a a sixth sense, I believe. Uh, You know, how do they know all the things they know? Uh, You know, Mary likely had some questions. Uh, Her experience was unique. Uh, Did you ever did you ever think about where do moms go when they have questions? Uh, You know, children, us men, we ask sometimes. But uh, where do moms go when they have questions? Well, it says Mary pondered these things in her heart. I would like to think some of those answers, uh, as we look at the experiences of Mary, even in the life of Jesus as he grew and ministered, You know, and it, we see her at the cross, and it seems like uh, you know as she was pondering and thinking of them things, that, and, and even moms today, as they ponder and reflectively think on the things they hear, the things they observe, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of comes together for them and they have, a, they have a way of understanding people that, and children particularly, that maybe sometimes we overlook. Moms are, are ponderers and Mary it, it particularly picks that out here this morning in our text. Why did it use the word ponder? You know, she was reflectively thinking about, uh, you know, what all was transparent, how God was using her and uh, while she had questions, you know, it's all right to have questions, moms have questions, But ponder on those things, uh, reflectively. Uh, Someone has suggested this thought. They said, uh, if we ponder on things, especially moms, it makes a difference between being ordinary or extraordinary, and I like that thought. And I think there's a truth to that. Uh, Psalms 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. And I think that's what we see in the experience of Mary here this morning. She was pondering on, even though she didn't understand exactly how this was all going to come together, she pondered on those things. She thought about them reflectively and was simply submissive to the will of God. And uh, I like to think this morning that moms are extraordinary as they ponder. And uh, so I, uh, I'm blessed as they have pondered over their observations, their things that they have heard. And uh, we have been blessed because of that. The seventh point that I have is uh, purpose. I think moms have a distinct purpose, and that's in Luke chapter 10. And this is one of the ones I'm not sure. Was Martha a mother or not? Anybody know? Mary and Martha? I don't know. I was going to check it out a little further, and I, I, I didn't. Uh, I don't know if the Bible tells us, really. That's my guess. Uh, but in Luke chapter uh, 10, I want to read this familiar account, beginning at verse 38. Two sisters, Jesus, frequented, uh, frequented their house many times. Now it came to pass as they went, That he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was comforted about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Here was the Lord of the universe sitting in her front room, and I like the way it says Martha received him into her house. I think that's commendable. Martha received her into her house, but I think uh, I think Jesus, as he observed these two sisters, I think he realized that you know even though Martha was receiving him into her house, uh, you know there was another room that he wanted to get into, and that was in her heart. And I'm not saying that Martha was not, I no, think Jesus was not in Martha's heart, but at this point it seems there was, uh, uh, you know, she was distracted by the temporal things of life. And uh, you know, moms do that sometimes, I am not faulting them for that, uh, because it's important, food is important, lodging is important, uh, cleaning is important, but uh, Jesus clearly is uplifting Mary for her choosing something that was had more lasting value. You know, the, uh, uh, you know, the dirty dishes will pass away, the dirty clothes will be gone sometime. Uh, I'm not saying we should be sloppy. Uh, I, I like people that are neat and clean. But, uh, you know, there's priorities here. Here was the Lord of the universe visiting in her house, and uh, Jesus is reminding Martha that it's more important to spend time with God than to be caught up doing the temporal perishing things of life. Purpose, we need to be, I, I appreciate the way that our moms are focused on their purpose in serving the Lord. Service is important, but don't sacrifice it in place of of your time with your Savior. I'd like to personally express my thanks and appreciation to all of the moms that are here this morning as you partner with God, as you provide for your families, as you protect your families, as you pray in behalf of your children, as you play the role of peacemaker. It's unreplaceable. And as you ponder uh, and as you... acknowledge your purpose before God and appreciation for that. I'd like to wish you the Lord's blessing and thank you for your role of being moms.